Yeah? All right, so uh, how's everybody doing? Good. Long weekend, tired? Yeah, some of us were on men's retreat, and we stayed out a little too late, but had an absolute uh, blast. If you weren't there, you missed out. Just rubbing it in. I'm not even going to feel bad about guilt tripping, just like you missed out. We had a lot of fun, spending some time in Connecticut. Thank you, grateful. Just spent some time praying and worshiping together and studying together. And so for the rest of you, I pray you've had a great weekend. I pray that it has been restful, and I pray that you're rejuvenated for uh, work tomorrow and the week that is to come. Uh, tonight's going to be uh, a little, just a little bit different. I'm not going to preach a sermon. I am going to, I got to give at least a little devo or something. So we're going to second, we're going to open up. And if you want to, you can go ahead and turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Um, but tonight we're going to kind of look at three different things. So I'll just kind of give you the schedule for ahead. In a moment, we're going to pray um, for the country of the week that we've just been praying for. Um, or each week we pay, pray for a country. And so this is the country we're going to pray for this week. And so we'll pray for them in a second. Then we're going to spend some time, and we're going to talk about Guatemala. There are 14 of us that went to Guatemala a little over a week ago. And we want to, we want to share stories. We want to share pictures. Because we recognize that 14 of us were in Guatemala, but the rest of you were still a part of the trip. Um, we were so encouraged by um, uh, emails we got from you praying um, on a, just a daily basis. And we recognize that you prayed for us, that many of you helped support financially in a lot of other different ways. And, and so we are grateful. And so we want to kind of recap. We want to we tell you about our trip and what the Lord did and what the Lord taught us and some of those things. So we're going to do that. We're going to spend some time there. And then Sam and Courtney Green are going to come up and spend about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes telling us a little bit about their ministry. And so it's a week uh, or a day or an afternoon where we're just going to spend some time talking about some missions as a topic and practically and look back at what has already taken place, look forward to what can take place and what is happening now and is happening in the future. And so we just want to bring you in and be a part of that. But if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me just to Matthew chapter 28 for a second and um, I may, in a will, I guarantee at some point, do a more extended uh, study on this passage, um, but I, I just want to recap it and let it be kind of the framework of um, kind of the night together. Um, if you're new with us, welcome to New Hope. So glad that you have chosen to worship with us. We are um, in this fall or summer and fall, we are studying the book of First Peter uh, we'll get back to that next week, and so just know that we're uh, taking a break from that. And so Matthew chapter 28 will be uh, for this week. So let me read uh, verses 19 and, or excuse me, 16 and following. It, is, it says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If you couple that passage along with uh, other similar passage, one might be uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when Jesus says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so these passages give us just a good framework and a good reminder that we oftentimes talk about church as a gathering of people on Sunday afternoon at 4 o'clock right here on 164.02 Gothels Avenue. We think of this as church where we sing some songs and study God's Word. And that is an aspect of church. That is the gathering of the church but the majority of the New Testament and the majority of our time as the church is a scattered church, not a gathered church. And if we're not careful, because rightfully so, we enjoy this time together, we put a lot of emphasis on this time together, we put a lot of energy making this time happen, but if we're not careful, this can become church and the gathering and the scattering is just the rest of life. But in fact, Scripture makes it very clear that the purpose of our gathering is to be equipped so that we can be more effective in our scattering. Scattering is the end goal. Our gathering, in one sense, is a means to an end. It's an end in and of itself because it's a beautiful picture of heaven here on earth as we gather together as the body of Christ. But the equipping aspect 
is a means to an end of the scattering of us when we are all over the city, we are all over the state, and we are all over the world. As we travel, we recognize that we do this, we have this intentionality of going and making disciples to bring God glory, and that is our purpose and our mission as Christians left behind, right? And so, uh, I want to say this and just kind of let it sit, and this will be the thought, is this idea of mission is not a just a good idea or a suggestion, but it is the singular reason and purpose of your existence here on this side of eternity as when it pertains to you having the gospel and communicating it to other people. Now, clearly, the chief end of our existence is to glorify God, but we glorify Him by praising His name, speaking His name, and making disciples of all nations. This is, this is a purpose. This is part of your identity as Christians. It is a command to be followed. And so tonight as we talk about missions, we're going to see it short term. We're going to see it long term. We're going to talk about it locally. We're going to talk about it globally. And we're going to pray. And there's going to be a lot of different emphasis involved. But I want us to see that there are a lot of different aspects to missions. There's a lot of different aspects to what we call missions and some of those things. And so we want to see all of those things together. Okay, so if you would, would you grab um, this card? It's in your um, uh, handout, in your bulletin, and we're going to pray for the country of Eritrea um, this week. Now, once again, we give you a different card each week, and we want to pray for the country here in our time together, but we want you to take it from me. I just stick it in the front of my Bible, and so anytime I grab my Bible throughout the week, I see it, and I'm praying And so we want to just take the moment and we recognize that an impact of missions and an impact of us fulfilling what God's called us to do is simply praying for that to happen. It's praying for His kingdom to be advanced, praying for people to come to know Christ. And so we recognize that missions is very much going, but it's also praying in the staying. And so here in this moment, let's just pray uh, together. We just take a moment, look over the cards, some of the prayer points, and we'll read those and then we'll pray together. Thousands of Christians have been imprisoned in Eritrea over the last decade. Pray for endurance for brothers and sisters detained in horrific conditions and ask God to give them perseverance in their faith. Pray for the president that God would work in his heart and reveal the truth of the gospel. And pray for the cooperation uh, among the Christians of Eritrea that they would be one. Would you join me in praying for Eritrea? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. We're reminded when we gather together in safety and we pray for countries and for people who are unable to gather in safety. We're reminded how precious that is. And so we start by just thanking you for the privilege to gather together, for the privilege to to lock arms with other brothers and sisters in Christ in harmony and unity and in safety, to worship your name in song without fear of it costing us great persecution or even our own lives. So we thank you for that. But we do pray for the country of Eritrea, and we pray, Father, we pray for the boldness of Christians. We pray for the safety of Christians. We pray for courage. We pray that for those that are in horrific conditions, those that have been detained for sharing their faith, whatever it may be, we pray that you would protect them. We pray that you would, uh, once again, give them spiritual renewal day by day, that even amidst great suffering, that their bodies may be going through uh, physical torture and some of those things and just the difficulties, but their spirits are being renewed because you are drawing near to them in special ways. Even now, Father, we pray that those, that those brothers and sisters in Eritrea that would feel the prayers, they would feel the presence of your Spirit. Father, as always, when we pray for the country, we pray for the blessings of the country and we pray for the blessings of the government. And we pray that they would be blessed through Jesus. That we pray that the leadership would come to know you that that would totally change the landscape. We pray that those influential leaders would come to know you and so that they can impact, they can use that platform for your glory. And so, Father, we pray for the government leaders. We pray for them and we ask for them to hear the good news of Jesus and respond accordingly. And then lastly, we pray that for the Christians, that when they gather together, that they would find other brothers and sisters that they can lock arms with because many may be the may not know any other Christians, but as they gather together, would you strengthen the body and would you unite them as one because the foundation is Jesus Christ and we use them.
to impact Eritrea for your glory. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, August 3rd through uh, the 10th, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, 14 of us went to Guatemala. And uh, Guatemala, you've, we've, at the, I guess uh, earlier in the spring when we were promoting the trip, we showed a video and talked a little bit about it. But let me just kind of, I want to walk you through our week. That way, in a moment, we're going to watch a short video and then we're going to hear from other team members. But I want to give you the context so that you kind of have an idea of what you're looking at and what you're hearing as we talk about this. And so um, we got up really early on Saturday, August 3rd to take a 6 o'clock flight that ended up not being till 1 o'clock that afternoon. And then because it was 1 o'clock that afternoon, we missed our flight, which caused us to be on another flight. And so after about 12 hours, give or take a few hours of layover, we finally get to Guatemala, get in bed around 2.30 the next morning which is two hours behind us. So we had been up 24 plus hours. We finally get there um, and we immediately the next morning get up and we go and worship and have church. We get to worship with the other brothers and sisters in Christ in Guatemala and what a joy that always is. What a joy it is. And here's one of the things that just is so uh, special for me about worshiping in other contexts and worshiping in other countries, especially in countries that I don't understand the language very well, is sometimes I don't know what's being said and sometimes... I, I don't understand the words that are being that we're singing, but you can still engage in worship. You can still recognize the Spirit uh, there. You can still recognize the Holy Spirit working, and it's a beautiful thing that because of Christ and that because of love, even though I don't fully understand, you know that worship is taking place. And I'm just reminded of how special it is that we are one. That we are one, meaning we are one local body, but yet we are one amongst a larger body of Christ that we get to be a part of all around the world, and it's a beauty. So we did that, and then we just, our first day, because it was Sunday, we didn't do any work, and we just kind of did some touristy stuff. Monday and Tuesday, we worked with a partner, um, uh, Educate BV, which is run by Mark and Gina Schmitz. In those two days, we spent some time, uh, they have been in Guatemala 10 years, they moved into a community and recognized that the community, which was very impoverished, um, began to put some Band-Aid needs, you know, or met some needs with some Band-Aids the first few years, they began to recognize that there were two very common uh, physical needs that kept reoccurring that they felt the Lord calling them to kind of change. And they felt like if they could make a change in these two areas in the community, it might break this cycle of poverty and it would no longer just be a Band-Aid need, but it might actually change and solve the problem. And so those two needs were, they recognized first, for young infants, it was a nutrition issue. That they recognized in the first few years that they had many of children that were, you know, six months to a year old that weighed less than 15 pounds. Get, I'm, get this, less than 15 pounds. Um, and they were extremely malnourished and they recognized that there was just this great... Um, need to in order just to preserve life in the first year of life and so they started a nutritional program and then um, one out of ten uh, uh, students in Buena Vista only one out of ten went on to study past the sixth grade and so imagine that 90% over 90% um, that was just even to the sixth grade many didn't even go past third or fourth and so because there was such a great need for immediate money, they immediately went into work, didn't prioritize education, therefore could never get different jobs that would help kind of break this cycle of poverty. And so they stepped in and created really and built a, this beautiful school. You'll see some pictures of it here in a moment, and you'll see Mark and Gina. And, uh, but they've created the school. And here's the biggest thing about Buena Vista as we worked there for those two days where we just... We had opportunities to uh, hang out. We hung out with students for two days. We had a lot of fun. We did those things. Um, we had three or four different people give devotionals and just times with the kids, crafts with the kids. But I have known Mark and Gina for eight years now. Um, and in those eight years, I w was in Buena Vista when they had been there two years. And so from two years to now them, there being ten years, the biggest difference in Buena Vista is the reality that there is hope within people. When you're having conversations with people in Buena Vista, this past trip, there was hope. When eight years ago, there was no hope. They saw no hope for their life ever to change. 
They saw no opportunity. They saw, saw nothing. But there's some people who came in and said, you know what, because of Jesus, we're going to come in and we're going to love on you. We're going to give our life to you. And that through the gospel and through just practical help, physical help, that they're seeing this community transformed in 10 years. And it's a beautiful thing. So uh, Monday and Tuesday, we worked with Mark and Gina. On Wednesday and Thursday, and intended on Friday, but on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, we were scheduled to build homes. And you're going to see some pictures of those homes, too. We went to a different community, worked with a different church pastor and a different partner that I've been working in this community for three years now and have um, worked with this pastor for years. And I'll explain, I'll come back and make a point about those two things. But in this community, the biggest need is just a dry place to sleep. It, uh, Guatemala, where we were, was at any time between 5,000 and 7,000 feet above sea level, pretty much on the side of mountains the whole time. And it rains, rainy seasons, four to six months every year, and it rains every single day. So imagine where you live in the path of downhill, coming down the mountain rain, every single day for six months, and your home is not waterproof in any way. It's not waterproof through your roof. It's definitely not waterproof under you. And it's like sleeping outside without a tent, basically, and that's your life. And so they recognize, the pastor recognizes that in this community, he, the best way he can practically love on people with the hands of Jesus and share the gospel is to give them a dry place to sleep. So when I say we built homes, we built 12 by 12, 10 sheds, to be honest. By our language, it would be considered a shed. But to them, it's dry, it's locked, it's safe, with a concrete floor and metal siding. And to them, it's it's a home that will change um, the future of the family. So we did that Wednesday and Thursday, and we actually finished early um, because the team was that stinking incredible. Um, this is my ninth trip to Guatemala, and I'll honestly say this. This was the best team I've ever taken. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, you clap, but I've always taken, like, teenagers before, so it's not that hard to beat, but I'm just kidding. I've taken adult teams, um, but it was the best team, best team, and the team worked hard, and we finished ahead of schedule, and so Friday we got to kind of relax a little bit, finally catch up on some sleep maybe, and, uh, and then made our way home late Friday night on a red-eye flight. So with that being said, you kind of have the context um, for what we did. So you'll see, if you see a big yellow school, that's Monday and Tuesday. And if you see a community where we're building and um, we look like we know what we're doing, Brian actually did, but the rest of us were kind of figuring it out. Um, that was Wednesday and Thursday. And so if you would, go ahead and kind of cue the video and you'll kind of get an idea and see some pictures of what, what a little bit of what I shared. That I am going to invite up Brian and Maureen if they would come and hang out with me. And you're going to hear from them and a few others in the crowds, um, maybe in a second too, of just a little bit about Guatemala. And uh, there you go, I got, I got the small one over here. I'll be good. And, um, and so, um, who else is here from the team? I know not everybody's here. Some couldn't make it. You kind of just stand too, so you kind of, everybody's seen you in the pictures, but just want to see who's here. Perfect. Um, y'all can go ahead and grab a seat. There may be moments, if time permits, where I'm going to ask them a question, they answer, and then I may just turn it to one of you if you want to just kind of jump in and share uh, just kind of be prepared for that if I were to do that, if you want to think through it. And so um, just quickly, just kind of let's jump into it. Uh, if you would, just introduce yourself, answer two questions, and then you can pass it off to Maureen and allow her to answer these questions. Here are the two questions. Why did you go on the trip, and what was your favorite part about the trip? Let's start with those two questions. Can you do that? Yeah? Ladies first. Fair enough. Fair enough. Hi, everyone. My name is Maureen. Um, so why did I go on the trip? So going on a missions trip was actually something that I'd been wanting to do for a really, really long time. Um, And for several reasons, I wasn't ever able to. Um, I had done stuff in the country, um, in the state more so, but um, nothing international. So when God opened up the door to go to Guatemala um, and I was able to go, I just went. um, And my greatest desire on this trip was really just to see what life looked like um, outside of the bubble that we live in here. 
um, you know, what does poverty look like? What does life look like? Um, and how is God working in that country? Um, so yeah, he showed that for sure um, okay. in more ways than one. And your favorite, favorite, if you could say one thing was your favorite part of the trip. Yeah, so it's really hard to choose one part. Um, and like you guys saw, like there were so many incredible things that we got to witness. But if I really had to narrow it down, um, on Wednesday during the week, we met a man named Caesar. And um, he's actually a man that's connected to the, to the ministry um, of Mark and Gina's uh, Educate BV. And uh, he was actually diagnosed with a terminal illness about um, over 10 years ago. I forget the exact amount um, in which his bones are fusing together. So as of now, all he can move in his body is just his right hand. And um, he can speak to us so he can move his jaw, his mouth. Um, and so when the minute we walked in, he, you know, he went around the room acknowledging each and every single one of us that was there. And he was thanking us for being there. He greeted us as his brother and his sister. He thanked us for being a gift, for being there. Um, and so, um, you know, his story was just amazing. He told us how he was diagnosed with this illness and, you know, it's a terminal illness, which means that progressively it's, you know, planning to get worse and worse. But when the day he received the news, the first thing that he did was just worship God um, and, and genuinely worship God. We even got to witness him singing a, a worship song um, in our midst. And it just convicted me because, you know, I know we all go through struggles and trials and tribulations, um, but my first gut reaction isn't to just praise Jesus for that tribulation. Most people fall away from God and turn away from God in the midst of suffering. And here's someone who's terminally ill, worshiping God with all his heart and all his mind. And, you know, um, and he told us, you know, that the reason he does that is because God is worth it, you know, and his plans are always better than our plans. So, um, yeah, meeting Caesar was definitely my favorite part. Right. Everybody. Oh, yeah. Good job. They're going to answer a lot of questions. If you want to save your claps to the end, that would, might just, I mean, you can clap if you want, but. My name is Brian Whitaker. Hi, everybody. Um, so the, the main reason that I went on mission, it started out to be more um, because we're supposed to. Great commission. Thanks to our awesome leader and pastor. He's been um, really reorientating us to great commission, which has trickled down into my community group that we need to be making disciples of all nations, especially when he taught me the Greek ta ethne, which is uh, ethnic groups. I don't forget anything you teach me, man. So when we had the opportunity, especially with my wife, to not go waste money on sightseeing in Israel with the Eiffel Tower and wave at it, we had the opportunity to spend our first anniversary trip on mission. And I was just so grateful that God gave us that, um, that opportunity and, um, to go across the borders and, and just spread the gospel to some of the most impoverished, poorest people in the world was just so worth it. Especially these little children who have nothing you're worried about your YouTube buffering or your PlayStation not turning on and they don't even have water to drink and they're smiling at us and we're all crying because they just love Jesus so much. And like you ask this little kid, like, they cry us in Jesus Cristo. And they look at us like, of course we do. Like, why wouldn't we? And they have nothing. So it started out because of the Great Commission and it just like once we got there, it just we were just overloaded with joy and spreading the word. And my favorite part of the trip, uh, Moose Dolman, was definitely Caesar. Um, and one thing that he said when we introduced ourselves, now mind you, this guy can't move because of his illness. His right arm and his lips move and a little bit of his head. And when we introduced ourselves, he said, Te amo en el nombre de Jesucristo. I love you in the name of Jesus Christ. And tu eres un regalito de papito Dios. You're a gift from my God. And like we were all just... Uh, in tears. So that was the most powerful for me too. So it's reminded me to always praise God in the storm. Here's a guy that has nothing and he's thanking the Lord for, um, for his sickness because it brings people to him so he can preach the word more. So I had to, I had to piggyback on you as that was the favorite. Yeah, cool. Well, Caesar, uh, we'll, um, Caesar's special guy. You're going to hear about him more in the weeks to come because we're studying First Peter and we're talking about suffering. And Caesar just has a lot to teach us, and so I'm going to bring Caesar up in the weeks to come. But let me turn to the other team members. 
Uh, is there anybody who'd be, you know, willing to say, you know what, I loved Caesar, but that wasn't my favorite, and willing to share something else about the trip? And if so, would you just stand to make your way up, and I'll hand you the mic? Or is it everybody just kind of like it was, it was Caesar, uh, going once, going twice? Okay. Um, well, next question then. I know I didn't give you a lot of time, but you got to be quick. Um, next question. Uh, what, what would you say... Um, just if you can summarize an overall takeaway you feel like the Lord taught you from the, your week in Guatemala. That no matter how bad our situation is, we need to and should be just praising the Lord and just, uh, you know, thanking Him in the storm uh, of life because we have it really good here. There was one child that kept drinking, putting his mouth on our purified water on the jug, and it just made me... I think a few people got like a little annoyed at first, but then it was like this kid just looking for water. He doesn't want anything. He wants water. So it's made us uh, as a married couple and individually to really just kind of be more grateful for what we have and maybe start conserving a lot more, like, like the parable of the rich fool. Cool. Um, when we went to Buena Vista and we spoke with Mark and Gina, towards they shared their story of how they sold everything and they felt called to go to this town um, like Pastor Jonathan shared, and they built the school there. Um, but there was one thing at the end of their story that Gina shared, which was um, when Jesus calls you to do something, just do it. Um, and she said that it's that simple. Um, and that most of the time, you know, we worry about all the little details, you know, like what does God want of me? How is he going to provide? You know, all these little details get in the way. Um, and they shared so many stories of how even finances were an obstacle, um, you know, as they, as they are when you're building a school or starting something from scratch. Um, and they gave one instance of many where I think they needed about $35,000 um, so construction could take place, or if not, it wasn't going to happen. Um, and so that, like, last day before it was really due, they got a like, phone call from one of their partners in America and said, um, hey, you know... Uh, someone heard your story and wants to donate $35,000, you know, so just letting you know. Um, So it was just incredible how, because they were faithful and obedient to God's call, he provided. Um, So, yeah, bottom line, I guess, is when God calls you to do something, just do it. What what would you say, if you're willing to just kind of be honest and vulnerable, what is something now coming back, based off what you learned, that you would say, hey, this is a part of my life that I feel convicted to change so, so that I, my life was different now back here in, in the U.S. because of my experience in Guatemala. Yeah? Um, so two things. Um, one is more kind of short-term and similar to what um, Chach just said about um, you know, them realizing about conservation and stuff, but we saw people have nothing, like absolutely nothing, and they still had so much pure joy. Um, and when I returned to my home here in New York, I just saw like a messy room filled with stuff. Like I just have so much excess. Um, so just one thing that I want to do is actually to give away a lot of things that I have, like clothing, you know, basic things that we can get by. We don't need in excess. Um, the other thing is, uh, it was really incredible to actually witness Pastor Jonathan meeting uh, a child that he and Jenna sponsored through Educate BV. Um, and, and we actually got to witness, you know, like when you give to uh, an organization like this, how it trickles down, how it impacts uh, the child's life, but also their family and the community. So I definitely want to, um, like, uh, sponsor a kid, you know, through uh, for Educate BV. Um, and, um, and I think other than, in addition to that, just my last thing is continue to pray for Guatemala um, and be more intentional about that because now we know real faces. We've met real people in, in these villages. And just about um, just being more obedient when it comes to international missions, you know, like uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, all nations, you know, and we've called to, we're called to go to the ends of the earth. Um, so just being more obedient um, and uh, praying more about that, yeah. Yeah, also, um, <clears throat> I want everyone to realize that we have a duty as Christians to... The Great Commission wasn't like a mild suggestion. That's a command. You know, who, who would I? I'll speak for myself. Who am I to have sat right there and just learn, 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 and not taught, 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 taught. So for the last few years, I've made sure that anybody I come across, um, that anybody's worth the gospel. Anybody and everybody is worth the gospel. And 
we disciples are great, but apostles are better. We need to go out. Our, 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 maybe you can't go to Guatemala. Maybe you can't afford it. Maybe it's not in the cards because you have newborns or whatever it is. But we have work. We, got, we have jobs, right? We sit on buses. We sit on trains. Everybody needs to hear the good news. I always tell everybody, if you could take, like, dirt and dandelions and add orange juice to it, and you can make a bar of gold, you would tell everybody, right? But we're so slow to share the gospel, and it's time that we rethought that. And um, uh, I also just want to say, you know, we went away with 13, I went away with 13 others who I know some better than others, and I was amazed living life together with 14 people that I know that I just fell in love with all over again, because... Everybody that went on that trip was so awesome, so so flexible, so accommodating. The planes were delayed. We're doing push-ups in the airport. We're playing hide-and-go-seek together. We're, we're just having, like, the best time and eating breakfast. And I'm just so grateful that God sent us all together. And I'm going to put them on the spot. I, I, we're kind of forgetting your leadership here and how amazing you are and how you had plan B, plan C, plan D. You had it all, man. So as a team, I want to thank you from all of us. And we love you, man. Great job. Yeah, thanks so much. Yeah. Um, coming back to the team members in the audience, is there, is there something you just say, you know what, here's something, I, I want to answer the question, what, what did I learn, or maybe what, how my life will be different back in New York? Leslie, you want to come share? Yeah? yeah and, and then after Leslie, yeah. I'll get opportunity for someone else if they want to come share also. Yeah? <laughs> want to see? Um, this will be quick, um, but I felt like going into the trip, I, was, I had a lot of insecurities. Insecurities, I'm not an electrician or a construction worker. I don't, I'm not fluent in Spanish. Um, but I felt that going there, it wasn't just writing a check. It was actually being the hands and feet of Jesus in this place. And also, um, I'm not sure if you caught a glimpse of it, where um, the mother of this home had given me this workbook. And I felt like she wanted to connect with me too. I think she realized that this was not just writing a check, but it was my us in the name of Jesus, and her trying to meet that middle ground for us. So I just thought, thought that that was interesting and a joy to be able to like read this little book with her child. And also, it reminded me of the miracle of Jesus turning water into wine and how that miracle didn't happen. Um, it was revealed to the servants, the people that were the hands and feet doing the work, and I feel like that was something that I could say, like, yes, I saw God moving in that way. So that's it. Yeah, that's great. Someone else? I just want to jump up. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. The other thing that just came to mind that we haven't really touched on yet is, um, you know, Matthew 25, um, when he talks, Jesus said, and I tell you, if you do it for the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. So we were, we were fulfilling that. And, you know, sometimes the world would tend to look down on um, impoverished nations or communities and people, and and maybe they'll never rebound. Maybe they'll ne never get to we where we are because the world keeps score and how important people are by what they have. But um, they they got fed something a lot better. Yeah, we brought we brought a shelter, uh, we brought laughter, but we also brought the gospel. And I do believe that there was one guy, Freddie, the third house we built, who had kind of forgotten about the Lord. And by the time we were done, he was he was tearing. And uh, talking to him afterwards, said he's going to start reading his, his, his Bible again and go back to church. So, yeah. important. Yeah. Well, my next question was going to be, what would be a challenge you would give to the rest of those who maybe have never been on a mission trip or some of those things? You kind of answered that, kind of just so you kind of give some challenge really before some of those things. And so, but before you answer the question, let me ask this to the team members. How many of you, this was your first international mission trip? Yeah? The majority. Okay. And so um, some, some of you are kind of hearing this, maybe going, hey, I, I want to be a part of that. All of you should at some level be going, hey, I want to be a part of this. Because I do think that every Christian should have their passport, not, because of, not for vacation purposes, although you should have it for vacation purposes. Maybe if that Lord opens that opportunity. But for the sake of going, I may never go international, but I'm available and I'm willing. And here's my passport, Lord, to prove you I'm willing. And I think as Christians, we should assume missions. We should assume the Lord's going to call us for an international mission trip or a local mission trip or assume He's going to call us vocationally around the globe. Like, we should be assuming that. And so with that being said, both of you, this was your first, yes? 
so how about I answer this question? Maybe it's a little bit different. Is for those who are kind of going, hey, is this something I could do, but maybe have some concerns, as those who are on first-time mission trips international, you had some concerns, you had some questions. What might advice or challenge would you give to those who are considering it, but I, I don't really know that this is something I'm able or capable to do? What are some roadblocks or challenges that came up? How did the Lord do that and might give a challenge to others? Does that make sense? Yeah? I didn't prepare them for this question. Uh-oh. So you see the hesitation. <laughs> they got to think about it a second. Put you on the spot. Sorry. So um, <laughs> I had a lot of um, hesitations uh, going on the trip. Um, you know, one was finances, which I think is oftentimes a, a common one for a lot of us. Um, but God provided, um, as he always does, with finances, so that came through. Um, and then, as you saw in the video, we were building houses, so <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, I don't think I've ever done anything remotely close to that before in my life, so I was really concerned about that, too. Um, although that's specific to this, this kind of trip that we were on, but um, yeah, I think those are probably two of the biggest ones that okay. I was concerned about. Brian, what about you? You got to see Mo swinging a hammer. It's good. Um, for me, it was, um, as most of you know, I had like reconstructive shoulder surgery last November, and I went back to work. They were gracious enough to hold on to my job with the union. And then I'm like, hey, I'm back, but I'm going on mission in four weeks. So I was a little concerned about that. Um, and then also, um, basically, I'm a, I'm a insomniac by DNA and uh, I was concerned about not being able to sleep and this one's really shallow but I'll be transparent I was like hun how am I gonna sleep without air conditioning and you know what it all worked out really good I forgot my medication and we went to a pharmacy and I'm begging these people in my best white boy Spanish I could and they gave me it finally but I think that this is where you got to truly believe that God's sending you and he will work out all those little kinks and he did for everybody yeah Awesome. Well, let's give it up for these guys. Thank you all so much. You took that from you. Yeah, dude. Let me give a quick couple of challenges and thoughts. I'm going to invite Sam and Courtney up. Is, um, you know, what was my biggest takeaway? Because being, uh, being there a few times, uh, I've seen a lot. And so some of the first-time experiences, um, I, I've experienced some of those things. And so my perspective is different. But here, here's the, my number one takeaway from Guatemala this year, and I want to encourage you as New Hope, is what I said at the beginning, is this was the best team I've taken. And I say that, one, because it was a more mature age. I do often take students, and so that naturally is better. But everybody on the team, the Lord put a team together, and I realized everybody on the team is leading in some capacity and are people of influence. And I just begin to realize and recognize the leadership that we have at New Hope. And let me give an example. At the end of the, of the week where we built four homes and then we were dedicating each home. And uh, we just spent about 10, 15 minutes just sharing a story, sharing the gospel, talking, praying. And we've been with them the last few days, but this is just kind of like the official dedication time. We give them a lock to their house. And this is what I did this year. We walk up to the first house, and I turn to the team, and I say, look, we're going to do four of these. And I'm going to do the first one. And I want you to just pay attention, kind of get an idea of what we mean when we say dedication, what you think about. And then in a minute, we're going to go to three others, and I'm going to ask three people to step up and do the dedication. I'm not going to say anything else. And I did, and people took care of all the rest of the dedications. I say that to say, in years past, I've never done that. In years past, one of two things happens. One, I dedicate every home because no one else on the team has the leadership competency to do so. Or two, I spend days and weeks ahead of time helping people prepare for that moment, which there's nothing wrong with. But the point is this, that there was, I recognized and I want to encourage New Hope, is so filled with incredible leaders and people who love Jesus that for me, this was the least stressful trip I've ever had to plan because at any moment I knew that any person could step up and do whatever is needed. And I walked away just being encouraged and want to encourage you that God has gifted this body greatly. 
that you have incredible giftings. And I want to encourage you to don't sit back, but to step into those giftings because watching the team serving Guatemala, where I intentionally just took a back seat a lot of the times, was an incredibly proud moment just to see that I have the privilege of leading you. And so I want to encourage you, but seriously, that was my biggest takeaway. And then let me answer this question. The most common question I get on short-term mission trips, hey, why don't we just send money? Why, wouldn't it be better if you just took that $1,400 you paid and just sent money to have the houses built? You could have built more houses. Yes, that is true. We could have built more houses. But you've got to recognize, if you've ever been on a mission trip, and you've been, especially one that is people-centered, in the sense you're spending a lot of time with people, you can't send enough money to replace the moments where they recognize that you love them. Better yet, Jesus loved them so much that you were willing to pay that much money and travel all this way just to hug me and let me know that. You can't pay enough money to replace that gospel moment. And so, yes, there are moments as a church where we decide, you know what, it would be better for us to send the money and help the local partners and just fund them. But other times, we need to put our feet on the ground also recognizing we're always working through local partners. We recognize that what we do in a week is not changing a community. It's not changing a generation. It's only just being a part of helping those who are on the ground, like Mark and Gina and the pastor that we build houses with, just to come and be hands and feet in a special way. And so we are very intentional with that, but I want you to recognize that you can never replace people-to-people contact. Christ did not just send us help. He came to us and was our help. And in a similar way, we step in. And so I want to challenge, that's why we do that. All right, with all that being said, that's global. Now let's draw our attention to local for a second. So Sam was on the trip, so I want to invite Sam and his wife up and anybody else they want, however they want to do this. I'm just going to hand it over to you guys. And, um, I mean, do you need me to ask you questions or are you good? You're just good. I just hand Sam, or I'll hand Courtney the mic and she'll, whatever, however we want to do this. Um, but uh, they'll tell about them. But they, um, Sam not only went to Guatemala, but... Um, they run a ministry here local. I'm going to allow them to share about that. They are partners of ours here at New Hope. And so when you give to New Hope, just know that they're a part, part uh, portion of the money that goes into missions goes straight into helping and supporting them. And so here you go, guys. We'd love to hear about what you do. Introduce okay. yourself and tell us all sure. about what you do. Sure. Okay. So we have, a, we have a few PowerPoint slides. These are pretty basic. Don't get too excited. Um, <laughs> So every time we've done a presentation, we've done a lot of presentations at a lot of churches, and we always talk about strategy and numbers and statistics of unreached people groups, and we're going a totally different direction today. So I don't know if that, how that'll go the first time, but um, what we found is, is that like for us personally working with ministries, we like to know a little bit about the people we're working with. So we're going to start off with a little bit of biographical info about us, just like our journey, how God has led us, how God has been faithful in our lives and led us into this work. Um, so, first slide. You want me to sit? <laughs> so, okay. Um, so, I was, I was born a long time ago. <laughs> and, um, yeah. 10 to 15 hours. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, just, I'm just going to give a little background on my family. So two, two things I want to emphasize with my family. My family, um, like everyone is Christian, and they are sincerely Christian. Like, it's some, a big blessing to me. And so uh, my grandparents were elders in their church. My parents helped start the church they're part of today. Uh, and serve, my dad serves as an elder there. Um, I went to Christian school. I went to church camp. Every time the doors are open, like I'm in church, right? Um, and so I'm just so blessed that I have a family that really um, gave me like, instilled in me a love for Jesus. Um, when we were kids, we read like missionary biographies about Hudson Taylor and other, other uh, missionaries. And so it sort of instilled those in my heart at an early age. And so my parents really um, desired for us to really know Jesus and to love Jesus in a real way. So that's awesome. Um, another thing with my family is um, my parents are both valedictorians of their high school class and very highly successful um, and they push us to do well academically. So I was valedictorian in my high school class, um, went to college, studied math and computer science, 
went, did an MBA, uh, got a job at a Fortune 500 company in IT and finance, worked there for a while. While I was doing that, I got master's in finance and master's in accounting. Um, and so highly pushed towards career. And so in my heart, I have this feeling that God is calling me to missional, uh, to serve in some way. I know that God commands all of us to make disciples, um, whether that's a full-time ministry or just uh, bivocationally or, or some other way. But I wasn't doing that at all, like not at all, not even close. And so I realized there's something wrong here. I think you and have I, to recognize that there's, I need to change. there's a whole so I wasn't sure why that feel yes. that basically feel and like somehow they yes. I ended up in China <laughs> and yes. they've just been driven um, some yeah, extremism so yes. career world yes. and um, looked into different options feel like and their whole identity moved to China um, to be a missionary so before I went I actually I had been accepted like to grad school at NYU and seek justice and NYU told me that they would defer my enrollment I don't know what the um, right mechanism is. So that is. I could go I to China and then come back. There so needs I, to be a conversation. Like, I want to trust God to go that, somewhere, you know? but I also want like a safety net, right? Just in case maybe I've got like this other thing going on. So um, I will stop there and let Courtney talk because we're going to go back and forth quite a bit. Uh, quite from Sam, uh, I grew up in, a, uh, in China. Uh, nobody in my family <clears throat> knew God or followed God. Oh, my. <laughs> that was college years. But... Um, even worse, uh, my grandpa and during China, uh, Cultural Revolution, he, as a police officer, he was, his job was to go to the church and write down people's names and turn it in to the government. I'm not proud of that, um, that kind of legacy, and I'm still uh, heartbreaking thinking about where his soul is now. But just to show you how far away I was from God, um, the only time I went to church before age 20 was once my high school friend said, hey, there's a feast at this Catholic church in the city, let's go. And we went together, stayed in line for a long time, only to find out it was just communion. Because <laughs> in Chinese it's called holy feast, we thought there was a feast. And I was disappointed. But in college, <laughs> junior year, I met some American missionaries, they shared the gospel with me. Long story short, I became a Christian. And today's, and it's exactly 12 years ago today, I married Sam. And <laughs> so today's our chef, yeah. And he's the main person. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, he's the main person led me to Christ. Um, but it was not uh, easy. Um, yeah, am I supposed to share more? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was not easy. My worldview has to uh, grew grew slowly and. Um, uh, when, when we first got married, there was a lot of struggles and a lot of fights because his heart is for missions and I had my American dream. And, and when, I, when I gave birth to Elizabeth that year, 2012, uh, no, no, 2000, 2011, Sam um, pushed me to take this 15-week course called Perspectives. Actually, Josh Collins is one of the teachers there, taught me. Um, that, uh, before that, I was like not interested in missions, not like just love money and comfort. But after, at the end of the 15 week, I was very convicted. I needed to do something, change myself. So, so that, that, that picture is actually yeah, 12 years ago today. Um, yeah, one of the stories in that class, um, Courtney told me that the first night of the class, they asked everyone, we're going to go around and ask, why are you taking this class? And she said, some of the people gave these really spiritual answers like, I want to know about God's, uh, God's mission and, and how to serve in the Great Commission. I want to know God's plans for the world. And Courtney said, I don't want to be here. My husband made me come. <laughs> but anyway, through just this process of through our marriage and God leading us, we saw like God leading us towards something, but we weren't sure exactly what. And um, the first, I guess, opportunity we found to like really serve in they really challenged us. God really worked on our hearts. Was, um, there was, we, we got a phone call, and, it, and they said, uh, there's some missionaries from Columbia, not the university, but the country. And they're coming to New York City, and they don't have a place to stay. And we said, sure, you know, these are great missionaries, so it'll be great. We'll let them stay at our house. And then they tell us, no, we don't need you. And so like a month later, we get a phone call. and said, we just arrived, and the place we're going to stay doesn't work. Can we come right now? We're like, uh, okay. So they come to our house, and they're bringing Colombians with them. It's not just the missionaries. And then they also tell us the reason they're in New York is they have come to get this guy's mom and brother out of the homeless shelter in Jamaica. Um, mom has some mental issues and disabilities, and 
So anyway, they bring them over to our house to have this visit because um, they're all staying at our house. And then that night, we're taking them back over to the homeless shelter. And the plan was for them to all move to Columbia together in like two weeks. And Courtney and I were just thinking like, there's no, like, we just felt really bad to send them back there. And we said, you know, we've been blessed with so much and I really don't want them in our house. They stink, they smell bad, they have mental problems. Like, but on the other hand, I know that God is telling us, move them into our house. And I, we, we were like going back and forth, like, what do we do? And finally, we just like, we have to obey. God wants us to do this. So uh, the picture on the left is this family. And so we moved them into our house. So they moved into with us for a couple of weeks, complete strangers from the homeless shelter. Um, and we loved on them and things didn't always go so well. They, there were some issues. But anyway, after two weeks, they did leave. So it, again, it's sort of like a safety net. We're going to trust God. Like originally, I was going to trust God to go to China. The reason we ended up in New York is after I came back from China, I did go to NYU. And then again, here, we have like a safety net. Like we're going to bring them into our house, but we know it's only for two weeks, so we can do that. But slowly, God is growing us. And then just a few months later, Hurricane Sandy hit New York, and there was this big push to bring in people who've been displaced. And so... Um, Again, we, thought we were really struggling with it, and we told people at our church, it wasn't New Hope at the time, we want to bring Hurricane Sandy victims in our house. And they told us we were crazy, like you're going to get robbed and killed. But anyway, that's them. So on the right, uh, this mom and daughter came and lived with us um, during Hurricane Sandy. And so like, at this time, we weren't really sure where God was leading us, but we knew like, God was really stretching us and challenging us in ways that, like, you know, some part of us, we were scared, but then we thought, you know, we should do this. Um, and so God really grew us in that. Um, so then we got connected. We decided, where is God leading us? And we felt God's leading us to international student ministry. I talked to, we intentionally moved to our house because it's near St. John's and Queens College. And I talked to InterVarsity. I talked to crew and navigators. Two of the three didn't contact me, didn't write me back. One of them did. And after they talked to us, they said, we think the best thing for you to do would be to go to St. John's and start your own ministry. And then they left. That was the end of the conversation. And we had no idea what to do. So nothing happened. But a few months later, we ran into the organization we work with now, which is International Students Incorporated. And they connected us with a professor at St. John's who helped us get started. Um, and he said, I'll do everything. I'll, I'll run the Bible study. I will help. Um, I'll bring the students. Um, all you have to do is open your house. And we're like, okay, I guess I can do that because we don't really know what we're doing. Yeah. And so this is the first night. This is the first ever time we had international students at our house here. Um, and we were just like really dependent on this guy because we were like, we don't know what we're doing at all. And after three weeks, three times of meeting, he said, my family's going through this big family drama. It's very stressful. I can't do it anymore. I quit. If you want to continue, you're on your own. And he left. <laughs> so we were like, okay, how hard can it be? We'll just do what he did. So we called up the same students. We invited them over to our house, right? And most of them came back, and we did Bible study, had some dinner. And then two weeks later, we were meeting every two weeks. Two weeks later, we did it again, and like, we only had six people come. And a couple weeks later, we had four people come. A couple weeks later, two people. And by the end of the semester, there were a couple times that we invited everyone. We had all this food. We, had, we were ready to go, and nobody came. We successfully took this ministry and like, just drove it into the ground. Very humbling. And we're like, I don't know if this is the right thing, what we're doing is right or not. Is God really leading us here? But we sort of, we really felt like maybe this is what God wants for us. And we sort of felt like we, we'd been praying about going full-time, like the full-time work with international students. But after driving a ministry into the ground, like you sort of wonder, maybe I should go do something else? <laughs> um, so we, yeah, we felt God might be leading us to that. But for me, the biggest obstacle is my finances. Because to join this organization, do this full-time, that means we have to quit our full-time job, like Sam's job, and uh, raise more than $80,000 a year. That just, how, how can that be impossible? And honestly, for me, also as Chinese, as someone grew up in China, um, it's, a lot, it's, it's so shameful to ask for money. You don't do that. And I still had this, you know, like I said, crazy... Um, crazy rich um, uh, Asian dream. I was still ho hoping, you know, Sam will make it big and I can help my family in China become also crazy rich Asians. Um, but I also had a fear. We had two little kids. If we can't raise support and he quit his job and how are we going to provide for our children? They're going to go homeless too. So yeah, you know, like, but through that uh, struggle, uh, we really, I really turned to God 
for prayers and, and just pray to God and show us what, what's the right thing to do. And so also sought out like wise counsel and at the end um, just submitted our will and decided to go full time. Um, that's a ugly time of our marriage. We fought a lot. <laughs> Even though we're about to go in full-time ministry, it's actually a tough time, but God, um, God worked in that time, drew us actually closer. Um, but another, around the same time we were going in full-time ministry with international students, God is interesting. He has also put, put his burden on our heart for the bang, uh, country of Bangladesh. Thanks to Josh Collins, too. He played a role in that. And we took a one-month took one month uh, vision trip to Bangladesh, thinking in the future we'll go to Bangladesh. And that trip taught us a lot, a lot as well, because um, we were there for a whole month, went to a lot of different cities. Um, Elijah and Elizabeth both got, Elijah got a stitches done in a little village with no painkillers at all. And Elizabeth got like skin infection. We had to go to multiple hospitals. Like everything went wrong. <laughs> and I was like, God, yes, we can trust you with our lives. Can we trust you with our children? Um, it made us reflect and ask that question a lot. At the end, we decided that's not the right time to go. We still want to go, but maybe in the future. We need to be, be back and be equipped. Um, but God has answered some incredible prayers around that time when we start raising support. One I want to share is that I had this, a lot of Asian part of me, like one, one kids to learn piano, they have to learn piano, play piano. That's just like Chinese culture, right? You have to. Then we're raising support. We didn't have money to buy a piano or uh, get them lessons. It's expensive. Uh, at a women's Bible study, I shared that. Like, I have this desire, but I feel selfish to pray. And my friend said, you can pray. It's okay. So we pr I prayed for God to provide for them. And the same week, two friends called me without knowing this prayer at all. Like one friend said, I'm moving away. I have this keyboard. Would you like to take it? Yeah. yeah. Then another friend called me and said, my daughter's in this group lesson, piano lesson. Uh, we need one more person to join. It's only $15 an hour. Would you like to join? I was like, Sure. So in one week, my answer, uh, my prayer was answered. We, had, we got both a piano and a, and a lesson. So God just answered prayers in amazing ways that time as we raised support, as I had this fear of, uh, can we trust God with our finances? So at the end, I learned that God is trustworthy and I can, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another, another situation is like I, one day I was in tears with telling Sam I, I'm really scared about our finances. And just a few seconds later, I got a notification on my phone that someone donated $5,000 to our account. And it's from some kind, of, some kind of foundation. And the person wants to stay anonymous. Like even till this day, this foundation still gave us the money. We still don't know who that person, who that person is. And just I think it's God really encouraging us. Um, okay. Um, next one. So one thing was really God stretched us to say, like, there are some parts of our life we want to hold off from other people. Yeah, that's a stoplight. Um, and so, like, another thing that God really challenged us on, especially working with international students, is so many of them are really lonely on Thanksgiving and Christmas. That's when all the most Americans go off to their, do their thing. And the international students, like, we're with them a lot of the time, but during the biggest holidays of the year, they're all alone. And so we were really challenged, like, God really called us to just say, hey, let's spend some time with them. So Thanksgiving, we spend time inviting them all to our house. We started doing that. And Christmas, we started taking them to Kentucky with us. And so the first year we had this arranged, we were planning to go to Kentucky. The idea is we're going to drive there because our van's not big enough. They're going to fly. Then when we get to Kentucky, we get a church van and go pick them all up. And the night, and the, and the day before we're supposed to leave, we get this check in the mail. And again, un completely unexpected for $300. We're like, why did we get $300? We don't even know who this person is. But we were like, okay, that's great. And so then that night, I'm driving, the night before we're supposed to leave, and the stoplight goes through the windshield of the van about one inch from my nose, shatters the entire windshield, doesn't cut me at all, right? And like, I mean, we were like, we have to leave tomorrow. All these students are on a plane. We have to get to Nashville, Tennessee to pick them up. I don't know what we're going to do. I mean, we we're just so thankful that I wasn't hurt, right? And we were praying, God, help us. How are we going to get our van fixed? We take our van the next day, have to get it expedited, it's fixed as fast as possible from the first place, right? Cost to fix the windshield of the van, all the, all the damage, $300. I'm like, okay, God's... And at the time, we're, 
we thought, like, this is spiritual warfare, right? And the, the first person we ever have student to become a Christian during that trip. She gave her, she gave her life to God. She got baptized uh, here at New Hope uh, January 2015, and now she's back in China sharing the gospel, working in a Christian company. Um, yeah. Hey, sorry to cut you off a little bit. We're running short on time. Can you cut to two, answer two questions for us, if you don't mind? Tell us, give us an overview of what you're doing primarily on Friday nights. You have a video for that, okay? And then end with telling us how we can jump in and serve you in the fall. Okay. Okay, cool. So, yeah, let's watch a video, give you an overview of our ministry. Yeah, so if you go to the next slide. So we have a slide. So since we've been working in ministry, we've had 20 different students um, either put their trust in Jesus, get baptized, or both. Um, In the past year, we had like 10 students who are serving in some mission away, either gone out to their home country to share, serve in churches, um, work with Muslims, um, working in different ways, work in mission agencies, like some, as you know, like have gone to China and others in other places. So um, this is what we're asking. Um, can you go back to the next slide, previous one? There we go. So different ways you guys can help. What we're going to ask you to do is fill out a card. If you're interested, just put your name and information. We're going to contact you. But these are four ways you guys can help. Okay, so the first one, food. We have a, min- a ministry meets at Queens College on Thursdays and St. John's on Fridays. So food, provide a tray of food on a Thursday or Friday night, 
and you may cook or purchase a tray of food. Um, be a driver. Uh, we have outreach events on Saturday, September 14th, October 12th, and October 26th. So that's like all day where we leave at like 8.30 in the morning, come back at 5 o'clock. Um, so we need people to help drive. Um, go hiking and have fun like that. Um, friendship. So we have the opportunity to match you up with one person. You know, what we say here is, right, engaging our city with the love of Jesus, one relationship at a time. So we want to, if for those who are interested, match you up with one student, um, and then you would meet them at least, uh, the goal would be to meet up twice a month, whenever you're free. It could be like once is a Saturday and once is a Tuesday or whatever is good for you. Um, and then finally, training. This coming Saturday, August 24th, from 10 to noon at our house, we're going to have training for anyone who would like tips on sharing the gospel and sharing, starting spiritual conversations. It could be with international students, with coworkers, with anyone. Um, and we'll have food. So those are four uh, opportunities to get started in serving in some capacity. Um, so all we're asking, we have some index cards. I think index cards like this. Write your name, phone number, email. Leave them out there for us to, to, to know, and then we will contact you about what you want to do. Yeah. Can I share one last story? Real quick. Sorry. So one, one final story. Um, 2016, a church in Long Island asked us to go out there and start an international student ministry at Adelphi and Hofstra, and it didn't go well. Uh, we, it went well, reasonably well. Several people from New Hope, Reggie, Blessy, Merlin, Nigel, they, they helped and hosted in their homes. But we ran into three problems, and the one problem, three problems were, one, access to students. We couldn't get access to students. Two, to go to these places, we needed cars. It wasn't within walking distance. Uh, three, we didn't have a team there in Long Island. Um, last year, God just worked this amazing miracle for Queens College, last August. Uh, within a few days, our team, some of our team members live near Queens College. The president of the International Student Club at Queens College said, we have access to all these international students contacts, can we work together? And the church across the street from Queens College said, we would like to partner with you in ministry and you can use our building anytime you want. We got all three in like three days. And so we were like, we're going to start Queens College this fall, like in a few weeks. So we, we did. And through that, that's how we met Mario and Olivia. That's why they're here right now. Um, that's how we connected with them because God orchestrated that. And so just giving God glory for working that out. So cool. Yeah. Yeah.